Will, I got something brewing that the podcast will benefit from. Mm-hmm. This has been going on all semester. Yeah. Will and I, college students, this is the Tony G Show. This has been going on all semester, and I haven't told anybody, not because you know, I'm hiding it, but just because it never comes up in conversation. I got something brewing. I'm in a class, communication class, communication major, and I'm putting together a study or research. I don't even know this. You haven't told no, me yet. This is, right here, live on the, well, I guess not live on the pod, live on the recording of the Tony G. So I see where I land with your trust levels. Yeah, you, you don't. I forget about you when you walk out of Tony G nah. Studios. I'm putting together a study of podcasts in general, why people listen to them, mm-hmm. and the Tony G Show as well. Mm, I'm going to cool. play them an audio clip about five minutes of one of our arguments. I'm going to show them the different podcast covers of um, the, show. the Tony G Show and get feedback on it and hopefully make improvements. One of the questions, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this or not, but I doubt anybody's going to raise a stink over it, is uh, what do you think of the co-host Will on so it's one of the questions? Yeah. Oh, I'm curious. Yep. So you should enjoy play these episodes while you have them because they're coming to an end. <laughs> <laughs> you should play this segment in class. So it's like, yeah. Oh, no, you get in trouble then. I, I think, yeah. I don't know if I can say this. I don't think my professional listens to my podcast. Maybe. We'll see. We'll find out. Because if, if she if, does listen, then yeah. I could be in trouble. But if not, so it's like a win-win and also a lose-lose at the same time. We'll find out. We will find out. You'll find out. I will find out. I forget about you when you walk out of Tony G Studios, <laughs> like I said. I'm Tony G. That's Will McCormick. We have another Tony G Show interviews coming up for October. An October series interview has been set up with, again, SNC Volleyball Libero. That's what I'm going to call her. Yeah, Libero. That's what she is. Liz Maastricht. Just surpassed 1,000 digs. We'll ask her about that and all things volleyball as well. That is another interview in our October series. Should we tack on another one in October? Yeah. Why not? We can't release a date for the Maastricht interview just yet because it's going to be a little bit later this month. But should we do another one? I mean, like... Nah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, of course. McCormick cares about the Tony G. No, I, I... I don't know. I mean... We'll find out. We'll we're just sitting here twiddling our thumbs all day because we mm-hmm. have all the time in the world, but... We have no script today. Yeah, none. Absolutely none. Just off the top of our head. Actually, Will, we do have a script today. We're going to talk about uh, football, baseball, and then football again. Okay. Is that all right with you? Sounds or? like a... I mean, we, we really don't talk about the sports much on the show, so it'll no. be fun. No, I don't think so. First segment, we're going to talk about what's wrong with the Chiefs. What's going on in Kansas City? This is a team that everyone built to win the AFC West. This is a team that everybody built to win the AFC for all intents and purposes, and maybe even the Super Bowl as well. The team that's been to two Super Bowls, won one of them. All the talent in the world offensively, Great head coach. What's going wrong in Kansas City? I mean, so we'll, we'll look into that and why Kansas City is failing so far this season, the 2-3 and three start that they have in the 2021 NFL season. Then we're going to talk about uh, three postseason thoughts for the Brewers. They lost in the NLDS four games, three games to one. Uh, the Atlanta Braves are moving on to the NLCS. They will play either the Dodgers or the Giants. That game is to be played later tonight of this recording. So three postseason thoughts for the Brewers coming out of that series. It was just tough. And then Tony G's picks of week six. Coming off a rough week last week and week five went two and four. So hopefully week six is better. Look at the amount of purple I have on this on this note sheet, Will. I mean, the purple is what I do my notes in for why I pick games. Mm-hmm. I'm done losing. Done losing. Never again, Will. 
So hopefully another batch of Tony G picks of the week. Not five games, six games, because I do one at every time slot, and they have another 8.30 game. Just another game to kind of trip me up and see if I can get another loss on my record. Well, I'm not falling for it anymore, Will. That's going to be a win from now on. So there you have it. Chiefs, Brewers, Tony G's picks of the week. We have the formula for a fantastic 11th episode of Season 7 ahead of us. What do you say we get to it, Will? Yeah, I say let's, let's get into it. That's Will McCormick. I'm Tony G. This is The Tony G Show. You're listening to The Tony G Show, now in its seventh season. Subscribe to the show now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the show on Twitter at Willis5312 and at Tony G Nation. Also on Instagram at Tony G Ordana. Now, along with Will McCormick, here's the host, Tony G. This was a, a huge week, last week or so in sports. Well, there was a lot of different directions I could have gone with the Tony G. And I still might cover some of these topics. Uh, the whole John Gruden thing in the Las Vegas Raiders. Coming off of a show, well, if you remember that, where I advocated for the Raiders mm-hmm. and their play this season. They go and lose back-to-back games, and then John Gruden's out after these atrocious emails come out that he sent in 2011, about a decade ago. Mm-hmm. And ever since I made that argument for the Raiders, it's just been flipped on its head, and I have been eating my words since. I could talk about today... The NLDS Giants-Dodgers. I think we might talk about it a little bit. Julio Arias, the intended starter, is not actually starting. It'll be Corey Knable, the former Brewer, who is a relief pitcher, former closer for the Brewers. He will get to start today against the Giants. That is coming later tonight of the day of this recording. I could talk about Mike Schilt being fired in St. Louis, a manager who took his St. Louis Cardinal team From worst to first, and that's an exaggeration, of course, because they weren't worst and they weren't first. But this was a team who needed to go on a winning streak, and then they proceeded to win, what was it, 16, 17 consecutive games to get themselves in a wild card position. Granted, they lost it, but now you're going to fire him. Interesting. I'm going to be interested to see where they go from here. We could have talked about that. There was a whole slew of things that we could have discussed, Will. If we would have had three shows this week, I think we still would have been picking out topics mm-hmm. to talk about and we'd have been leaving some stuff out for sure yeah we weren't we aren't the tony g show is never hungry for content no it just comes to us naturally that's what we do here at tony g studios so the segment that we are going to start today's show with is nfl based football based we'll start with the kansas city chiefs and what's wrong with the chiefs will two and three so far this season they are fourth in the afc west and the games that they have been playing have not been the most impressive These losses haven't been good losses. They've been tough losses. They've been close games. Their first win of the season at home, they had the Cleveland Browns. They only won it by four points. Mm -hmm. Last second, they had to come back and beat Cleveland in that first week of the season. Lost in Baltimore. That was a comeback loss. They had the lead. Baltimore came storming back, won the game by one point. Had the Chargers at home, lost. Chargers came in. Granted, the Chargers are having a great season. But they beat Kansas City in Kansas City, a place that's known for not being easy to play. That should have been their second loss in Kansas City. Not to mention they bounced back, hit the Philadelphia, beat them only by 12 points. A Philadelphia team is not that impressive. No. But a 12-point victory, not even two touchdowns, that's worth mentioning. Mm -hmm. And then they come home last Sunday night. Well, granted, there was the whole thunderstorm thing. They had to delay the game right in the middle. Lost to the Bills. 38-20. 38-20. to 20. I mean, that was a solid pounding from yeah, Buffalo. Yeah, that's a, that's a significant loss. 
It's very significant. A game that everybody expected to be competitive. Mm-hmm. Some people had the Chiefs build to win. And here we are talking about the Chiefs at 2-3. and three. Could be even 1-4 and four if that Browns game goes a little bit awry and they lose that one. Mm-hmm. So what's going wrong in Kansas City? Why are they giving up so many points? Why are these losses not good losses? Why are they almost losing to bad teams? Hmm. Let me compare. Let me start by comparing them to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, when you think of them, you think of Tom Brady. Okay, so they have the quarterback position nailed down. Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. You think about talent positions. You think of the Mike Evans and the Antonio Browns, the wide receivers that they have in Tampa. You think of Tyreek Hill. and You think of the, the talent positions that uh, Kansas City's had, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, even though he hasn't had the strongest of seasons, and granted now he's on the IR uh, just a couple days before the recording of this podcast and argument. So they have the offense nailed down. What about coaching staffs? Bruce Arians, veteran coach. He is now a Super Bowl head coach. Just won a Super Bowl with Tampa Bay last year. Andy Reid won the Super Bowl the year before. And these two teams that I'm comparing them, ironically, also played in last year's Super Bowl where Tampa Bay got the victory. So what's so different about these two teams? Tampa's having a good year so far. Buccaneers are 4-1. Mm-hmm. They'll be included in Tony G's Picks of the Week as they are the Thursday night football game. So what's the difference? Here's a move that I want to point out, and I pointed this out on the Tony G Show before. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers go out and they add Richard Sermon, a veteran cornerback, maybe somebody who's out of his prime, but someone who adds depth to a position where they needed help, adds a little more oomph to a position that isn't so strong anymore for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Somewhere that they needed help, they went out and they fixed defensively. Kansas City, on the other hand, here's the difference. Their defense is atrocious. It is a very bad defense. Do you remember where they were ranked last time we talked about their defense? When is the last time that you were thinking about? It's probably two episodes back. Okay. I'm going to say 31st. Where are they now, do you think? 32nd. Yep. Yeah. Worst defense in the league. I, I think I know that. I think I have that down on my note sheet here that they are the worst defense. I can't find it. But... It's one of the worst defenses. It is the worst. It is the worst. Statistically. (laughs) You could argue that it... Don't bring up statistics either after last episode. (laughs) Don't even start with me. You could bring... I'm going to bring up statistics because Tony G does his homework. Yeah, right. You could argue that it's pass rush. They're not getting enough penetration. They're not getting enough contain with a quarterback. I think it's secondary problems. Mm. I think that's actually quite obvious. You look at the last... There were the last game that they played, the Buffalo Bills, there were highlights of, well, I guess not highlights, lowlights, but you saw in replays, a strong safety Tyron Matthew, well-known name, full safety, what, what's his name? I have it somewhere here. Sorensen. Uh, Daniel Sorensen, correct. Daniel Sorensen is in coverage, the full safety, free safety. Free safety. Free safety, not full. Full back, free safety, whatever. <laughs> free safety. He's in coverage, and he fails drastically on at least three separate three separate occasions in that game Sunday night. And in every single one of those plays, there was pictures, I saw it on social media, mm-hmm. of Tyron Matthew with his hands in his air, looking at the play develop downfield, and this big pass because the wide receiver's wide open, and Sorensen's in coverage. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say it's all on one player, but Daniel Sorensen's got a lot of work to do. It seems to be, I mean, definitely secondary and the pass rush is like a issue that kind of, they play together. Yeah. You know, like. And I, if you don't I, have one, then you're not going to have the other. Right. Yeah. Like secondary 
only lasts as good as your pass rush. Exactly. Because once you once if you have no pass rush, you look at the Packers in some games. I mean, they have literally zero pressure, and the quarterback can sit in the pocket for as long as they want. A receiver's going to get open at some point. I mean, any. That's a great point because any team really, if you're not getting a pass rush, receivers are going to get open. Yeah, they just have the stamina and the, right. the build to do so. That's just going to happen. Right. So you have to get to the to the quarterback. Kansas City is not doing that. They aren't getting pass rush. They aren't doing good in coverage. They aren't having a good secondary. Not to mention their offensive struggles. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, even before his injury, has been not productive whatsoever. A season that a lot of this is starting to become. A lot of people are calling him overrated. I wouldn't do that yet with mm-hmm. Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He was the thirty-second round pick in not last year's draft, but the year before. Mm-hmm. Coming off the year that they won the Super Bowl, a lot of people were. He had a good season last year in his rookie season, and so he's just having some sophomore struggles. I wouldn't say that it's overrated, or maybe even I wouldn't say it's injury related either. He is injured now, but. Point being that he hasn't been productive. Yeah, sophomore struggles are fairly common. You look at Devonta Adams; he had a horrible sophomore year. It happens. Like, it was really bad. Here's the thing that I want to point out. Here's here's something that's going to help this argument for the defensive struggles of the Kansas City Chiefs and why they're ultimately playing this big role in the Chiefs not playing well this year. I did some homework. I'm going to bring up stats. Tony mm-hmm. G does his homework. I have some homework, too. I'm curious if it's the same, but okay. we'll find out. I'll do my homework. I'll give it up, and then you do your homework. We'll see We'll see if it's uh, if they line up. I found out that the Kansas City Chief defense has given up eight plays of 40-plus yards through the air. That is most in the NFL. Mm. Over eight times this year has have uh, opposing offenses played this Kansas City secondary and had a play in the air, a pass play, of over 40 yards. Eight times this year, that's the most in the NFL. Also, on the other side, you talk about secondary, you talk about pass rush, and these two stats complement that idea as well. A near-league low seven sacks this season for the Chiefs. I think there were two teams in front of them. I think Washington was one of them, which surprises me, and then there was another team. I think there was like a three and a four sack team. Kansas City Chiefs are in the... 30th range, 29, 30th range in sacks this season. Seven of them. That's it. That's mm-hmm. it. Compliments that idea we said, Will. As, uh, if you don't have a good pass rush, you can have a secondary, but then you're going to get exposed. So when, in the Chiefs' case, when you have a bad pass rush and a bad secondary that isn't containing or isn't being as physical as they need to be. Not performing. Not performing. Flat out just not performing. Then you're going to have stats like this, the eight plays of over 40 yards. It's just going to happen. Yeah. And and to supplement your argument, too, just so we can be kind of aware, I was kind of curious, like, how contract structure was laying out for these teams. Because, um, I, like, I have argued in many episodes, many seasons back, big quarterback contracts hurt a team. Yeah. They do. And so I was curious. I was wondering, like, how contract structure is looking this year. Maybe the Chiefs are spending significantly less on their defense. They're actually spending the second most. Yep. They're... It, with the way their contracts are structured, they're spending about $95 million on defense and about $70 million on offense. That doesn't surprise me in the least. A lot of and talent so, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And when we're looking years forward, like in 2024, yep. they're going to be spending $85 million on offense, and they have a lot of stuff to figure out on the defense. Yep. So it's it's only going to get – my point is, is that contracts, there's going to be a lot of money being shifted towards the offensive side of the ball – over these next couple years, 
They're spending a lot on defense right now that's underperforming to the point of your stats. And it goes to show that everybody talks about the talent that they have. Oh, my gosh, they have so much talent. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, even McCole Hardman, Travis Kelsey, big contracts. Look on the defensive side of things. Chris Jones is a huge name, mm-hmm. that defensive end that they have in Kansas City. Huge name. He's going to get paid like it. Uh, Frank Clark is also a name that's worth mentioning as well. He gets paid well. Not to mention Tyron Matthew, a guy who everybody knows is properly rated as one of the best secondary members, safeties in the league. So that when you have this much talent, you have to pay these guys. It's a conversation that comes up every time that you have loads of talent. Look what happens in Golden State. You have to pay some of the big three, Clay Thompson, Steph mm-hmm. Curry, Kevin Durant, and all of a sudden the team falls apart because you you can pay the big three or two. Uh, they let Kevin, Dur- Kevin Durant uh, win elsewhere. He's in Brooklyn, of course, and Steph Curry is still there. Clay Thompson's still around. So when you think of... That you signed your big guys, but now all the role players are like D3 athletes. <laughs> yeah, and, and to your point with the secondary, their cornerbacks are the fifth cheapest in the NFL. Really? Their safeties they spend the most on in the NFL. So it's kind of interesting. They have, and I, I'm about 80% of that safety contract is probably from Tyron Matthew. Yeah. yeah. I don't think Sorensen, Sorensen's bringing in a big contract, <laughs> no. but no. their cornerbacks are, to aid to your point, like one of the cheaper crews. Exactly. So and, and when your when your pass rush isn't performing to that level, you need to rely on 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 uh, secondary play that is above you know a couple cuts, which good secondaries can barely cover that. Leave it up to the triple major, accounting, economics. What's the other one? Uh, finance. Finance. We're looking at finances. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it up to the triple major of all money, all things money and numbers to come up with these. Great, uh, helpful stats to this argument. So I think it's time to elaborate, Will. No, thank you. (laughs) Maybe I will keep your own after all. So it's time to elaborate. No contain, bad pass rush, no penetration. Bad secondary. Cheap secondary. Cheap secondary. You're paying everybody on offense, kind of letting the defense fade away. You're you're, you're paying Mm -hmm. your bigger players, Tyron Matthew, Chris Jones, Frank Clark and such, but then your role players are starting to slip through the cracks because you don't have the most money to spend on that. You're allocating the money in a way that you can't pay everybody. You can't pay for above average, average to above average players all over the place. It's going to start to slip. Mm-hmm. And that's what's having, happening in Kansas City. So as we look forward to the rest of the season, before we do that, you have to stress the importance of defense in the NFL. Everybody always says defense wins championships, and it's true. Yeah, You're yeah. not going to win. It, we, this, this argument with, is said so often. It is such a cliche, but that's because it's just so true. Yeah, I mean, with this defense, they're not going to win mm-hmm. flat out. Look at the look at the talent that's on Kansas City offensively, right. and you still can't put together an over five hundred campaign through the first five games of the season. You're two and three. You're in last place in the AFC West, which is a division that is currently better than a lot of people predicted it to be, myself included. So now you can't compete anymore. Now this division isn't an easy sweep away anymore. This isn't the AFC East where it's Patriots, where it's Jets, where it's Dolphins. This is. In AS, this is a competitive division now. So what's what's the plan for Kansas City? What do you do moving forward? How do you try to amend these wounds? And Will, I hate to say it, but I don't think there I don't think there's a chance that you do amend these wounds. They're too deep, they're too thick, they're too prominent. I don't think there's a chance that Kansas City can compete in this, not to mention, can compete in this treacherous division. Yeah, I, I really don't see it. I mean, if you rely on your offense to score 40 points a game. Correct. You're not going to win. It's just not going to happen. 
You'll win some games, yes, because you have crazy offensive powerhouse players, but that's not something that's consistently going to happen. Chargers are four and one. They're at the top of the division, having a great year. I don't think, and I'm going to make the argument in Tony G's picks of the week that they aren't credited like they should be. The Chargers. Broncos are second in the division, tied for second in the division with the Raiders, both at three and two. I think the Broncos are fakes. I think they're frauds. Uh, they're going to finish third, fourth place in the division. They didn't beat any good teams to get those first three wins. Raiders are three and two. They're going through it right now. The whole John Gruden thing, he's gone. Um, the whole world of Las Vegas is kind of being flipped on its head with this. That's hard for a team to go through, especially in season like this, and to try and process it all while trying to prepare for your next game and then eventually playing that next game. I think things are going to start to fall apart this season very quickly in Las Vegas. I say, Will, and this is kind of a side note now, I say that the Raiders maybe win six games this year. If that, if that, I do have to retract what I said. I don't regret what I said. No. And the way that I stood up for the Raiders and said, I like what they're saying. I like what I see out of Derek Carr. But after everything that's gone down and the way that they have lost since I've made that argument, it's really exploited some holes that are only going to get bigger now that they're onto an interim head coach mm-hmm. midseason. I mean, Will, a week ago, nobody was talking about John Gruden. No. Things broke last Friday. Yeah. So in the last five days, four days, things have only just tailspun They've in Las Vegas. exponentially worsened. Yeah, yeah, and it, on on this rate, well, it's only going to keep getting worse. I mean, what else is going to be released on this guy? Right, like there's no way we could have predicted that. The team was looking mm-hmm. really positive yep. for once in the last four years, five years under John Gruden. It was looking like it was going in the right direction, and no, it's not. No, in the so matter of it's too bad. In the matter of a couple days, not even a full week's time. It's too bad, but the correct actions I think were taken oh, yeah. to. For, for John Gruden, he got what he deserved. Especially in this new enlightened needs, society, those yeah. type of behaviors just aren't. It's unacceptable. Yeah, so it, it is what it is. Um, but then on that note, John Gruden lost his contract with Skechers. He's no longer uh, an advocate there. He lost his job with Las Vegas, and he's lost his sense of respect. He's not even a Hall of Fame member for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers anymore, or Wall of Honor, I think is what they did with him. He's not even, they retracted that from, he has lost, Will, he has lost everything. His job, his promotions, his Hall of Fame status, he's lost everything Mm -hmm. because of this. So when you look at... Which I I think is fair. It's hard to argue against that. I think it's... uh, It's going to happen when you you say stuff like this. Yeah. When you get as disrespectful as as this. And it's a touchy subject, so I don't want to go too far into it. I do want to tie this back to the full argument against uh, with the Raiders and then ultimately the Chiefs in the AFC West. When you have a bomb go off like this in your organization mid-season, I mean, it's hard to turn around and play a football game, especially in this league. Mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't the Canadian Football League. This isn't the Arena Football League where things are, aren't as magnified as much. I mean, this is all over the place, and yeah. it has been for the last six, six days or so. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for a team to turn around and try to compete at this level. It's just not going to happen. I don't think the Raiders win six games this year. Seven games, I should say, because I think they'll probably finish at six. But six. they're currently they're currently sitting above the Chiefs to kind of bring it back to where we were. Exactly. Yep. So it's, it's Chiefs are at the bottom of the division, two and three. Look at their season moving forward, the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't think it gets much easier for them. They have to go to Washington 
I think they'll win that game. I don't think it's I, – I, I can't overthink that one too much. Washington hasn't been as good as I thought they would be. Mm-hmm. I think Kansas City will go and get the win there. That's not a Tony G picks of the week, but I think that'll be an easy win for Kansas City. Then they head to Tennessee after heading to Washington. That's going to be tough. Tennessee hasn't had the good, the best year yet either. They're 3-2. and two. They're going to be in Tony G's picks of the week on Monday Night Football against the Bills. So going to Tennessee with a bad defense trying to stop Derrick Henry – I don't, I and that and that wide receiving core is just it's it's only gotten better. It's lethal. It's only gotten better. AJ Brown, Julio Jones. I mean, it's it's going to be a tough game for them. I don't think that's a gimme for Kansas City at all. At home against the Giants, that'll be an easy one. At home against the Packers, that'll be a good game. It'll be a good game. Packers don't usually play well in Kansas City, so it'll no. be interesting to see how that plays out. I think when we did our Packer picks for the season, I think I had the Packers losing this game. I think I maybe I either. I, can't, I, think I, I, th- I think I did, too. I think we agreed on the Chiefs and disagreed on the Niners. Yeah. But this is gonna be, that'll be an interesting one. That'll be a good one. game. That's November 7th. Chiefs-Raiders. Chiefs, probably. Chiefs-Cowboys. Don't underestimate the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys win that game. Oh, yeah. Chiefs-Broncos-Chiefs. Chiefs, Chiefs-Raiders again, Chiefs. Chiefs-Chargers in Los Angeles. Chargers. Chiefs at home against Steelers. Probably a win. Chiefs in Cincinnati. That's a win. Chiefs and Denver, so, probably a win. So they'll probably, they'll probably second in the division, maybe. They'll probably be better like than the their team shows, just mostly because of their strength of schedule is a joke. <laughs> Essentially. Essentially. The well, way, I guess I wouldn't say a joke either. They got well, tough games. Tennessee, yeah. Chiefs, Dallas. I'm not... Chargers, not to mention their division opponent. But they have a couple games in there that they should win. Oh, yeah. Like four or five. When you have the New York Giants on your schedule, come on. Yeah. <laughs> come on. Especially potentially New York Giants without Saquon. Yeah, again. And without a head coach. <laughs> I mean, they do have a head coach, but I don't like them. Either way, I think that it's going to be a second-place finish in the division. I like the Chargers a lot. I think they might win 13, 14 games this year. Mm-hmm. Four and one so far. I don't think they're getting the credit they deserve. To tie this back in with the Chiefs, though, you're not going to win – the games you need to be winning and get yourself into the playoffs. If they get into the playoffs and play a good team, it's going to be a quick bounce if they don't fix this problem. Yeah, it'll basically the, their playoff run will basically depend on defense turning it around. Yeah, or offense being like this insanely effective offense that like would be abnormally good. Yes, that's you know, either what it is, and I don't foresee that happening now that Clyde Edwards is on the IR. Right, like they're. They're just not going to produce at that just rate. Quickly did the math, and they're allowing about thirty-three points a game, which is a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot of points. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fair amount of points. So, so they to rely on your offense to score more than thirty-three points a game—that's a hefty task. Very hefty, and it's something that I don't know if Chiefs are going to be able to overcome and win the division. Now we got a lot of football to play at, so we'll see what happens. A lot of football. It's a week-to-week league. But what I've seen from the Chargers, I mean, there are issues that... I mean, even their tackling ability, which is something we've seen the Chargers? a lot of teams. The Chiefs. The Chiefs. Chargers are good tacklers. they yeah. got some physical guys. But like I said, I brought up physicality earlier in this argument for the Chiefs. There's not, not enough physicality. I don't think there's... Uh, they have some trouble tackling as well when a wide receiver gets into open space. I mean, it's, it's a very huge problem. I mean, if that's something that doesn't get fixed, that'll cost you a season. One... Th- aspect that i want to ask you about i'm just curious what you hear your take on if these if this chiefs team starts to play worse and worse yeah 
do you see some of the like Tyron Matthew or other big names becoming not a head case, but just becoming like so mm. like 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 not providing that like support and being like and kind of not I want to say tearing down their teammates because I don't know them personally and I don't want to attack divas. them like that, but just like becoming a selfish player in that they're just like not playing as a team. Or do you think that you know creating even more of a problem for them? I don't see that from Tyron Matthew. Okay, I think that is a guy who's. Too much of a veteran. He has too good of a head on his shoulders. Well, the only reason I ask that is because he's like showing like like because he has an obvious kind of his person obvious disapproval of his teammates' play, which is fine. Yeah, but at the same time, I don't. You see wonder him. where that's going to stop. I don't see that. I think this is too well coached of a team to implode on themselves mentally like that mm-hmm. and emotionally. I don't. Th- it's okay for me to express your. Yeah, displeasure with your other teammates if they're oh. not producing at the rate you need to be. Right, right. But also at the same rate, I like I said, this is too well coached of a team. Andy Reid wouldn't allow that to happen. I think this is a team that is good mentally and emotionally, just not physically right now. They aren't getting it done on the field at the rate that they need to to win some ball games. I'm just kind of pointing out that if that becomes a problem for them, they're going to be in some serious trouble. That is certainly something we see a lot of. In the National Football League. I mean, even look at just this last week, the New York Giants. Kadarius Toney had a big game, had a yeah, huge game. Huge, career, career high. But goes and throws a punch and gets ejected. What are we doing? Right. And that's what I'm, that's, I'm just concerned that if the Chiefs begin to play worse, you know, and they, they have the ability to turn it around, but I'm Correct. worried that their own, like, perception of their play and like their attitude towards it would make it their own standards yeah like they're they're gonna hurt themselves essentially we'll see what happens with them but i don't think it's gonna be a good descent to the season for the kansas city chiefs i think it's gonna be a little uh rocky for them to my three postseason thoughts for the milwaukee brewers this was a widely requested uh, topic for a multitude of reasons we're based out of the wisconsin market so the milwaukee brewer topic was going to come up no less i am a big baseball guy so a baseball segment during the postseason is only more than likely. But also what I do is I have I, I, on my Twitter at Tony G Nation, after each Packer game for like the last three years, I've tweeted my three postseason thoughts or three postgame thoughts for the Green Bay Packers after their game. Like right as the game concludes, I will send a tweet and give my three thoughts. I've done that ever since I was a member of the Green Bay Game Day postgame show uh, for our friends, the fan, WDUZ. Don't do that anymore because of COVID. So I, I've been, uh, my role has been reduced. You know, that's how it is. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, ever since then, I've been tweeting three post-game thoughts for the Green Bay Packers. And so I was asked, I actually was, this isn't like we did a couple weeks ago where I was where we laughed at ourselves because I was like, this was requested by Worldwide, our fans Worldwide, and then it turned out that nobody actually asked for it. This is actually something people asked about. Give me your three postseason thoughts for the Milwaukee Brewers. So I'm going to do it this way. Again, Antony G Nation for three postgame thoughts for the Green Bay Packers. Three postseason thoughts for the Milwaukee Brewers. What I saw from them out of the NLDS after this game, after this series with the Atlanta Braves, where I expected them to get a win, at least string together three games of, I don't know, maybe one run, two run baseball at least. They did in the first game and then lost the three consecutive games to be booted out of the postseason, World Series hopes snuffed away from them, and now they're sitting from the sidelines watching this game at home. It is what it is. I tweeted, again, at, at Tony G Nation that I love the Milwaukee Brewers. 
And whatever happens this postseason, I will still love the Milwaukee Brewers. So let's have an October. Got some good feedback, too, on that tweet as well. At Tony G Nation. Still love the Brewers, but, uh, you know, it's kind of like a... I'll love you, but I'll love you in a week. It's a love-hate relationship. Just give me some time to descend from this loss. Mm-hmm. Just, just let me cool down. For let a it sit for a little bit. Yeah. I, I love you, but I'll love you in the future. Right now? No. Nah, we'll see. Three postseason thoughts for the Milwaukee Brewers. Number one, the offensive approach was brutal all series. They batted 192 this postseason, which was better than the St. Louis Cardinals, who had one game, and better than the San Francisco Giants, who are still playing. They have game five tonight. They walked nine times offensively this postseason, once again better than the Cardinals, who only played one game, but better than the Giants as well. Offensively, 24 hits this postseason, better than the Cardinals in the one game they played, and better than the Giants as they play game five again tonight. So if they're better than the Cardinals, who again only played one game, throw them away, but how about the San Francisco Giants? Best record in baseball, taking the NLDS to game five against the Dodgers. So why are the Brewers who did not do well offensively this series out and the Giants still playing. What's different? Why are they not continuing this postseason? It's all about approach. Like I said, the approach was brutal all series. Struck out 48 times this postseason. More than the 40 of the Dodgers, more than the 36 and 33 of the Giants and Braves. They were taking fastballs. They were late when they decided to swing. I tweeted at one point during Game 4, is Charlie Morton throwing 115 miles an hour? Or what is going on here? Swinging at balls, swinging. they could not lay off the curveball, trouble with the off-speed. They were guessing all series long. It was a terrible offensive approach from the Milwaukee Brewers. Just brutal. I was watching baseball, pulling my hair out of my head because I thought, this is, I know better than this. Mm-hmm. I know better than this. I've never seen a fastball over 92, 93, but I know better than this, man. Yeah. You can't be late on a, 2-0, how many 2-0 counts did I see, Will? 2-0 counts where there was a fastball, and they swung and they were late, or they fouled it away, or they took it for a strike. Too many damn times. <laughs> How many times, Will, did I watch 94 miles an hour go right down the middle for strike one? How many? More than once. Enough. Golly, Raleigh Telez. That was one at bat in that, I think it was game three. On Monday afternoon. I think it was still tied 0-0 at this point. Jock Peterson hadn't hit his three-run home run yet. Rowdy Telez takes a fastball right down the middle, 94 miles an hour. I mean, it was as middle-middle as this pitch could get, and he takes it for strike one. All right. I don't know what Andy Haynes, the hitting coach for the Brewers, has been telling these players trying to get them out of this slump that cost them a run at the World Series. But how about we swing at a first-pitch fastball when it's right down the heart of the plate? (laughs) I don't know what what approach you're teaching or going with, but... Swinging at give me pitches, at give me pitches, that has to be a must. Mm-hmm. That has to be done. I'm I'm this heated, Will, and I got two thoughts left to go. <laughs> That's thought number one. Mm-hmm. Approach was just brutal all series, just terrible. Thought number two: Christian Yelich has fallen off the face of the planet. Bad swings, no timing, no rhythm, bad approach as well. But more, it's emphasized more with Christian Yelich because this is a guy who won an MVP first year in Milwaukee. This is a guy who came in runner-up to Cody Bellinger the year after he won the MVP for the MVP award. Could you attribute this to like the fact that he didn't have a full season to find that? Or because 
obviously he had a good chunk of time to play before the playoffs, but I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? When people see the stats that he had this year, I think he batted like 250, maybe 10 home runs this regular season. People attribute it to his injuries, and he had a lot of injuries. He's been dealing with Sickness. that, so that's where my hope that he bounces back next year comes from. Maybe he rested this offseason and he's more healthy coming into next year, mm-hmm. and that's a place that uh, I'd like to see Christian Yelich be at a 100% healthy place where he can be productive again. He doesn't have to be at the rate that he was before because that was an ungodly rate. But if he could just be a little bit more productive, that would be ideal. But is it really injuries? I don't think it is injuries. Because when you see the swings that he takes, when you see the approach that he has, I mean, there are pitches that he used to shoot the other way for a base hit. There are pitches that he used to rocket into center field for a home run. There are pitches that he used to barrel and do damage with that he is either late on, that he's not swinging at. He isn't getting the look at these pitches that he used to be getting. I don't know what it is with the guy, but he is not seeing the pitches at the rate that he was when he was winning MVP awards. He's not rocketing balls the other way. He's not putting them in the gap. He's not putting them over the fence. These are weak ground outs. These are weak tappers. These are swings and misses. He is striking out a lot. Well, he struck out a lot this season. And he said to himself after the game that he came up in a lot of big situations for the Brewers at one point or another over the season, and especially in the postseason, and he wasn't producing at the rate that he would have been happy with. He was disappointed in the season he had. And it's only right. But there's something different. I don't know if he's fallen off. He's a little bit older than I think people think. He's near 30 now. So maybe his bat speed isn't as fast as it used to be. Maybe his... Reaction time just isn't as fast as it. Whatever the case may be, Christian Yelich has fallen off the the face of the planet, and that was only exacerbated and highlighted by this series. He just had a terrible postseason. And maybe pitchers are starting to kind of figure out his game too. You know what what works and what doesn't against him. But you'd think at some point. I agree. I agree to an extent because once other teams get a scouting report on you and they start to use it, and you're starting to struggle. Then typically what will happen is you'll do your homework yeah. and you'll start producing oh, again yeah, and start to counteract it. You're just. I haven't seen that from him no. at all. This I don't know if it's been the injuries. I don't know if it's been the COVID year last year. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but he's just not locked in at the rate he used to be. There's it's something. concerning. But if it is injury, that's the one thing keeping hope alive that he can produce in the future. If it is injury, hopefully he rests up and comes back 100% next spring training. You wonder, maybe focus drifts with COVID and then being out for so long. This It, it's, it could just Tough. be an, an issue that kind of perpetuated from COVID into this injury. and it, You never know. I, who? It's hard to... Oh, yeah. I mean, we're purely spitballing here. It's hard to, to put the finger it. down on one thing, but uh, I don't know. All, the only thing keeping my hope alive is maybe it's injury, and I mean that in the best way possible, that maybe he gets back healthy next year and produces. Thought number three. Thoughts number one, approach was brutal. Christian Yelts has fallen off the face of the planet for thought number two. Thought number three, again, comes from a specific player. Luis Urias played his heart out at third base defensively, especially in game four. Had a couple of massive plays that saved a couple runs and played dividends, not to winning the game because, of course, the Brewers didn't do that, but to keeping it close, keeping the Brewers locked in and not letting the Braves pull away. Urias had a huge series at third base. 13 total chances that he had in this series, most out of any third baseman in the postseason to this point. 11 assists. That means 
11 times that he's grounded the ball. Ball has been grounded to him. He's thrown to either second base to get a force out or first base. 11 times he's had an assist, most out of any third baseman so far, not to mention the two putouts that he's had. Had an amazing defensive series. That's a lot to build off of. A guy who's had some defensive struggles, a guy who has had some throwing troubles earlier in the season from the shortstop position, a guy who probably could have had his confidence torn apart after you already have Colton Wong at second base, after you go trade for Willie Adamas at the shortstop position. Now where is Luis Arias going to play? He's either going to be third baseman or he's going to be out of there. Mm-hmm. And so he has to adjust and play at third base. And he did exceptional the rest of the season, and especially into the postseason. Luis Urias has a lot to build off of with the season that he had. Offensively, too. Can't discount what he did at the plate. But defensively, more than not. So there are my three thoughts. It's, it's kind of a, a bummer when you get players that expectedly should not play to the level that uh, Urias did, and then you have players like Yelich who you kind of need to lean on a little bit, and they just struggle, and you lose because of your your historically productive players are not performing. It's just, it makes you wonder what could have been with this team. Mm. You know what I mean? Like if, 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 if they'd have had this production from their star players and they're seeing this production out of players that re- they really probably shouldn't have, man, they could have been a powerhouse. What could have been? Uh, pitching wasn't included in the thoughts because they did fine. I mean, they're not going to shut down right. teams for four straight games. It's not going to happen. I mean, it seemed like they won game one because Corbin Burns gave way to the bullpen, and Josh Hader locked it down, and they won 2-1. And they were like, okay, we can make this work for the rest of the series. But at this level, in the in the postseason, that's not going to happen because yeah. offenses are just too good. You can't expect your pitching staff to lock down a team, to shut them out. And here's a thought I had to myself midway through the, season, through the postseason, through this series, was when the Braves would score first, I would think to myself, well, you knew it was going to take one or maybe even two to win this game. Probably three. And then the Brewers came up and scored nothing. Well, you're not going to win a game doing that. So it's right. not pitching. This, had, this loss of the series had nothing to do with pitching from my standpoint. Granted, they did blow some opportunities in game four, but they still held the Braves to five runs. I mean, it's going to happen. Right. They're, they're, this is the best of the best teams playing. Correct. There's going to be scoring happening. Scoring happening. Another transition. Eleven and fifteen to this point in Tony G's picks of the week. You can turn it around. One good week. One good week. I got six games coming up. I try to go at every time slot: Thursday, Sunday, 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 Monday. There's another Sunday game with the eight thirty game. There's a Sunday morning one. Let's turn it around. Tony G's picks of week six. Eleven and fifteen last week, but you know what, Will? The Monday night game, I got a win, so I'm one and zero on my last one. Here we go. That's what I. That's the way I look at it. All, only positives <laughs> on the Tony G Show and Tony G Studios. Eleven and fifteen to this point, eighty-two and sixty-one overall in my career. Tony G's picks of week six. Let's start tonight. Thursday night football. Buccaneers four and one. Eagles two and three. It's in Philadelphia. Buccaneers are favorites by about a touchdown, seven points, and the Eagles haven't been impressive this year. Still kind of figuring themselves out, which is getting kind of late in the season to be saying that. It's week six now. You have to start to figure out who you are offensively. And it's something that I don't think Jalen Hurts has really worked out in Philadelphia to this point. Buccaneers are all around just a better team. Uh, They have had trouble on the road. 
But I think the Buccaneers going into Philadelphia is a game I foresee them winning. 34-27, the victory, Tampa Bay. That's my Ooh. first pick for Thursday night football tonight. I think that could be a blowout. But... Could be. If it is or not. You'll be as right. As long as the Bucs win, I'll be, I'll be right. Sunday morning. Sunday morning. They keep doing this. Sending the bad teams over. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's an NFL thing. I think it's teams. There's an executive who said, oh, trust me. If we wanted to go executive of a good team, we would be going. Yeah. <laughs> they don't think they want to go. Dolphins 1-4 at Jaguars 0-5. This game is overseas. Dolphins are three-and-a-half point favorites. Tony G does his homework, Will. You know that. The Jaguars have allowed 22-plus points in 20 straight games. I think that trend only continues Mm -hmm. with the Dolphins' 28-16 victory. Jaguars might not get a win this year. And in doing this game, they're two bad teams, one win between the two of them. I thought to myself... Don't overthink this one. Jaguars are 1-5. Yeah. Just give it to Miami. Especially with that tweet from last season after week one. Yeah. Not, Not satisfied. satisfied with one and all. Well, I'll tell you what. You needed to be. Sunday noon game. Chargers at 4-1. and one. Head to Baltimore, who are also at 4-1. and one. Baltimore's the three-point favorites. Like I said, what? Chargers are not credited like they should be. Who, who created that favorite? Because they are... Clearly not watching football. All my favorites, all my spreads are of sportingnews.com. Well, I question their integrity now. <laughs> I think they get I think this is like the overall line of the game. So I just get it from sporting news. They get it from Vegas or wherever these these spreads come from. Ravens have a, a, a top offense in the league, number one offense. I think the Chargers aren't credited the way they should be. I think it's going to be a close one. Mm-hmm. I like the Chargers a lot. I've been vouching for them. I'm going to go with them. A close victory, 27-26. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's fair. It could go either way, really, because the Ravens seem to show up in the last five minutes of every that's game. That's true. They do come back a lot. Comeback Ravens. Bucks, Dolphins, Chargers, those are my first three. My back three. Cardinals 5-0 and at Browns 3-2. and Browns, three-point favorites. <laughs> if what? you thought that last one with the Ravens was bad, Browns are three-point favorites. I found this stat. Tony G does his homework. Six team in the Super Bowl era to score 30-plus points and allow 20 points or fewer in four out of the five games to start a season, Arizona Cardinals. Hmm. I think that trend does continue. They're going to score 30-plus points, allow 20 points or fewer. They get the win 35-17, Cardinals in Cleveland. Sunday Night Football, Seahawks at 2-3 and three at Steelers 2-3. and three. This is a game that was probably billed to be a really good game at the start of the season. No Russell Wilson now. A bottom defense, I think a bottom 30 or so defense in the league in the Seattle Seahawks. Steelers have a bad offense. I've been saying that since week one, but could get it done. I think I'm going to go Steelers 31-14. Sunday Night Football. Monday Night Football, Bills 4-1, and one, Titans 3-2. and two. Bills are four-and-a-half-point favorites. That's a solid matchup. That'll be a fun one. That'll be a good one. The Buffalo Bills have four straight wins of 18 or more points. Not to mention, they have a top defense in the league. Titans, shockingly not as good as everyone thought they predicted. Not as good as I predicted. A top defense in the league in Buffalo. They know the game plan. Stop Derrick Henry. I think the Bills will do that. I don't think their streak of four straight wins... 
of 18 plus points of difference. I think they're going to win 27 21 in Tennessee over the Titans. That's going to be some hard nosed football right there. That'll be fun to watch. That'll be a good game on Monday night. Those are my picks Buccaneers, Dolphins, Chargers, Cardinals, Steelers, Bills. Take them or leave them. We'll find out. Will's leaving them. (laughs) What a show. Yeah, good show. What a show. Fun. Chiefs, Brewers. I, I wouldn't say fun. Mm, I haven't talked about the Brewers after they lost. Yeah. Not fun. And then Tony G's picks week six. Well, maybe they can turn it around. We'll see what happens. Both both you and the Brewers will maybe turn it around. And the Chiefs. Yeah. We're seeing some prevailing uh, trends here. <laughs> if they do, Will. If there's another team that I bagged on this show, and then they turn it around and have a good good season, after I bagged on the Raiders. What's well, the trend? After I, Actually, after I... You, you lobbied favored. for the Raiders, and yeah. then they fell off the face of the earth. Yeah. I mean, if things happen that keep going against what I say, I'm going to lose credibility. To be fair, we did say that they were going to probably finish in second, so they're going to be somewhat good. Okay. But if they finish in first, then you just definitely jinxed it. That's how it works at the Tony G <laughs> at Tony G Studios on the Tony G Show. I just jinx, jinx things, and things go awry, and whatever. <laughs> That'll do it for this episode. Over 10 episodes now, 11 episodes. The milestone mark because of season four. I'll never mm-hmm. forget that. Being cut off at 10 episodes because of COVID. And then we've come back only bigger, better than ever. Liz Mostrick's interview is coming up later this month in our October series. We've been getting great feedback on Tim Coughlin. Not to mention the September series with Luca Kenyon, Ben Cole. Tony G Show's stock is skyrocketing. Maybe we'll fit another October series in there if we can find it. Maybe. Aaron Rodgers, where you at? What you doing? <laughs> come around to the Tony G Show interviews. That'll do it for this episode of the Tony G Show. Season 7 just cruising that's will mccormick i'm tony g at willis5312 at tony g nation on twitter get at us let us know what you think another episode of the tony g show in the books i'll see you tuesday that'll do it tony g show thanks for listening to the tony g show support the show on social media on twitter and instagram also make sure to subscribe and comment on apple podcasts google podcasts and spotify 